Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Today, we're going to talk about how do we discover what we've been created to do. Ultimately, we have to always remember that God created us, he created everything, and he created you. There is no other person like you in the whole world. You have a specific genetic code, right? A DNA, it's called, that is specific just to you. Think about that. Out of the, what is close to like 7 billion people that inhabit planet Earth, there is no one who has your genetic code, your makeup, your creator created you and wired you in a way that no one else has that. So he knew you, and, and throughout Scripture we find that God created us, and, and before your parents ever thought about having kids, that God knew you, and he's the beginning, he knows the beginning from the end, and so he laid out this plan for you, and our job is to discover what that plan is. God doesn't just roll it out, he doesn't just tell you everything that's going to happen in your life, that we actually have to take steps to discover that. That's what our mission is here at our church. Our vision is helping people discover. Look at your neighbor and say, discover. Discover. You have to discover new life in Christ. And we're trying to help you do that. Everything we do through our services, through, through kids ministry, through our student ministry, everything we're doing is trying to help you take steps in that discovery process to figure it all out. What is God's purpose for you? What is his purpose for your family? What is his purpose for his kids? How can you live that dream out discovering that new life in Christ. God created you, and we're trying to help you connect with the Creator to figure out, hey, what did you actually want me to do? And I believe when we do that, we really figure out our purpose and our dream. Uh, a few years ago, Jess and I were on staff at a church in Oklahoma, and this church had a ministry of the church called Beautiful Dream Society, and it was an awesome ministry. They were over in Africa and different places in Haiti, and they were rescuing women out of uh, sex trafficking. So just an amazing thing. And so they had this fundraiser event, and there was this run that they were doing, like a 5K. They call them fun runs, but I don't even put those two words together in my vocabulary. It doesn't even exist. I don't even understand that. Like recently, the month of October, like last weekend was a marathon. We had a bunch of people from our church running in a marathon this week. There's like an OSU run thing. And I'm like, why do you do that? You know, like what, what, what drives you to say, I want to run 26, over 26 miles. I just, I trained for it. It's so fun. I'm just like, dude, you're crazy, right? Something happened to you when God was wiring you together. Maybe it wasn't so perfect. There was a little thing that happened that made you, but running is not my thing. Okay. If it is your thing, I'm just teasing more power to you. You're in way better shape than me. And, and continue to run. But so we show up at this run, and my idea is they had like a fun run and like a little kids like thing. And so we had Riley, and she was in a stroller, and Jess and I show up, and I'm like, hey, we'll just push her, you know, it's around this pretty lake, this, you know, this running trail. And I was like, we'll just enjoy the day. It was a nice day. So I show up in some old tennis shoes, like some, some warm up pants, and I'm just ready to hang out. And so this, this, the race is getting ready to start, and everybody's lining up. And it was a legit timed race for those people who, again, like to run and want to time and compete with themselves. And so, and so I'm, I'm just kind of hanging out, and I'm slow 
slowly realizing that I'm standing in the back with, with the moms and the babies, like, hey, this is the family part of the run, that I was standing with all women. And I was like, so where are all the other pastors at? The guys on staff at the church? And where are they at? Where, hey, where's Adam at? Where's John at? Oh, they're up at the front. They're running. And I'm like, what? They are? Why? Well, yeah, they were going to run. You know, they're up, they're up at the front. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't be the only guy walking with the babies and the moms in the back, right? So the competitive nature in me pushes me up to the front. Look, I was not prepared. I had not stretched. I had not trained. I had done nothing. All I knew was, you're running, well, I'm running too. And so the literally the gun goes off and we begin to run and I'm running with the guys that I know and they're running a little bit faster than me and so I'm running a little bit faster and about 0.1 miles into the whatever, many I was like, Okay, you know, but I just keep going. The competitive nature of me, I'm just, I'm going to win. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And, and so they get ahead of me and I see some of them start slowing down. And I'm like, oh, thank God. They're going to, they're going to walk now, you know, like, hey, we got out of the gate, you know, no one's really watching us. Let's just walk now, you know. Then they take off again and I'm like, oh, so the whole race, I run and you would run to a point and then you would turn around and you would go back to finish the other part of the race. And so I ran the whole time. And I was proud that I finished the 5K in just under 32 minutes, right? It's not bad for someone who hadn't been training, right? I was like kind of proud of it. I like put a Facebook post up. I'm like, hey, just ran a 5K, you know, 31.38 minutes. You know, it was awesome. And, you know, and I was all good with running that race until the next morning, right? And I was sore than I'd ever been in my whole life. I could barely walk. I had blisters on my feet. I had sore feet because my shoes were in terrible shape, right? And, and the whole purpose of that, why I found myself in a dissatisfying position was because I was really running someone else's race. I never intended to run that race. And honestly, I believe God never intended me to run a race, right? So I was running someone else's race. The Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, that there's a race that's been set out just for you. Think about this. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off everything that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And then it says this. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let's personalize it. Run with endurance the race that God has set before you. And we do this not by keeping our eyes on the other pastors who are way ahead of us running and chasing them. It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus because he's the one who initiates and perfects our faith. Another way of saying it, he's the one who laid out the path for you. So we don't look to others in what their race is. We look to Jesus in what his race is for us. And so God has laid out this race for you. But the problem is, is that many of us are running someone else's race. Every day, Monday comes, you begin your journey, your discovery process of pursuing God, and you're running someone else's race. So of course, you're dissatisfied. Gallup says 80% of people find themselves in a position Monday through Friday where they go, I wish I wasn't here. And in my mind, knowing God 
in knowing how good he is and the plan that he has for you, the Bible says it's clear that it's for the good of your life. It's to give you hope. It's to give you life to the full, life that is joyful, that you enjoy living life. But Gallup says 80% of us really don't, that many of us are running a race that God never intended us to run. And it's no wonder we're dissatisfied and we're struggling to find purpose. And it's like we've been running and we're running and one day we're 35 or we're 45 and we wake up and we go, what am I doing? Whose race is this? Maybe it's your parents' dream that they had for you and you fell in line and you're running the family business, but you go, this isn't me. This isn't what God created me to do. This isn't what I enjoy doing. And so how do we figure out what that is? What's the, the process to discover what it is that will make you fulfilled, that will make you happy to figure out God's call for your life? We have to realize is that all of us have a universal calling and a unique calling. A universal calling is simple. God said that if you are a Christ follower, there's, this, there's kind of this overarching calling and purpose for all of us, and it's to love God with everything that we have and then to love one another as we would love ourselves, or to love one another in the same way that we love God, that that's his purpose for his believers, and that no matter what we do, and that was last week, right, as we talk about no matter what we're doing, there's, there's a certain way as a Christ follower that we should be doing that by serving God and, and pursuing him and loving one another and showing the world around us that God has a plan and a unique calling for everyone because there's this universal calling and then there's this specific calling There's this specific lane that God laid out for you, this race that he set before you. He said, this is only for you. This is your lane. No one else can run in this lane. This lane is is, is designated for you. And no one else can come into it, and you can't go out of it. This is your lane. But many of us have never really discovered what that lane is. Ephesians 2.10 says this, that you are God's masterpiece, that he created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do, so we can do the things that he planned for us a long time ago. Wait a second, so God planned something for me a long time ago. Again, this whole idea that you are unique, that God created you different than anyone else in the world, and that he views you as a masterpiece, so he has this, this grand plan for the thing, the person, the human that he created, And he says, and you get this fresh start, this newness in Christ where you can really pursue after that. So God has a plan. It's undeniable. It's unique to you. There's a purpose for you. And the key is for us is to discover what that unique calling is. What did God create you to do? And we have a responsibility to make that happen, to search after it. So the main idea that I want to get across today, and you're going to hear me repeat this phrase many times, is that the gifts that God has put in you are clues to his plan for you. The giftings, the talent that God has invested in you are clues to the plan he has for you. So ask yourself, what are your God-given talents? Last week I shared a little bit that my first ambition uh, was, to, was to become a garbage man, right? What a fun job, just to ride on the back of a truck, hop down, throw some trash in it, and then hit a button that smashed it. Amazing. Then I began to play sports, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a professional athlete. 
what a better job just to play sports and get paid gobs of money to do it. It's a dream job right there, right? But then I began to discover that God didn't put the gift in me to do that, right? You watched the Buckeye game last night, and you see these skilled athletes like a Braxton Miller who can be running full speed, stop on a dime, spin around, juke five people, and score a touchdown. You go, God gave him something he didn't give me, right? God-given talent. And one of the coolest things about watching sports is when people, when athletes recognize and give God the credit for the talent that they have. They go, man, God gave me this. I'm just trying to use it for him. Purpose, calling, figuring that out. And so God has given you gifts, but the problem is, is a lot of us, according to Gallup, because we're doing things we don't like, haven't really put in the time to discover what those gifts are. And there's a reason you need to put the time into the, 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 to the discovery process because the discovery process, when you recognize the gifts that are in you, are clues to the plan, the calling that God has for you. So God works by faith. Scripture's clear about that, that we put our faith in God. We haven't seen God, but we believe in him. So there's this, there's this journey of faith, and, and faith is really all about seeking and pursuing and serving God and, and exercising. We believe on the wall out there that faith requires action, right? That we put action behind our belief. So as we pursue God, and God says, when you do that, when you seek me that way, you will find me. If you put some effort into discovering what it is that I've put in you and you want to figure that all out, I'm going to show you. But Gallup says 80% of people are doing something they don't like. Either they've discovered what they have and they haven't had the faith to follow after it, the giftings they have, or they're not using them in a way that's bringing fulfillment and glory to God, and so they're struggling with that. But most of us never find God's calling on our life because we've never looked for it. We've never put some effort into seeing it. You'll never find what you're not looking for, right? That's, that's brilliant. You should write that down. It's not in the Bible, but it's good, right? It's genius. Wait, that's pretty simple. Like, yeah, if you don't look for something, there's no chance of finding it. I think Bono said he still hadn't found what he was looking for, right? You too. But you'll never find what you're not looking for. And I wanted to take a moment, though, to, to, to talk about passion and calling for a second. Because sometimes we confuse passion and calling. And passion does not always equal calling. Just because you're passionate about something and like something or love doing something doesn't necessarily mean that God has called you to do that. And, and here's the best example I could give you how many of you ever watched American Idol before, right? You already know where I'm going with this. You watch the audition process, and the producers let the most untalented, ungifted people through to the judges, right, just for the sake of good entertainment and television. And so these people get up, and, you know, mainly because they believe something about themselves, or, you know, they always say like this, they're like, hey, why do you want to be the next American Idol? Well, I want to be famous, and, and I'd love to sing, and God's gift to this, and my mom and dad have just said, man, you need to pursue your dream, right? And you're like, are your mom and dad tone deaf, or just deaf in general? Like, they just, whatever you want to do, go after it, because then they begin to belt out, you know, in front of the judges, and when the show was good, and Simon was on there, right? 
We all know what he would do, right? He would just tear them up and down in pretty much in a mean way, again, for the sake of TV. But what he was just doing is, is he was saying, although you're passionate about singing, there's no gift, right? There's no talent. So why would you pursue and put all of your heart into something that God never intended for you to do, right? And then you waste the gifts that he has put in you. So passion is not enough if you are not gifted. (laughs) It's not enough. But whatever God has called you to do, whatever that calling is, whatever that purpose is, he will give you the gifts and abilities to do it. So when we don't know what God has called us to do, as we talked about earlier, as I'm going to say many times a day, that we look at the gifts that God has put in us to clues as his plan, what his plan is for us. What is his calling? And the cool thing is, is that there are times then when you combine your passion with God's gifting and there's a powerful purpose that begins to take place. And we begin to live that dream out. And we begin to see God use us and, and make a difference with our life. So, what does the Bible have to say about this thing of discovering our gifting? And how do we discover what it is? And the Apostle Paul was instructing his young protege, Timothy. He's getting older in age. He knows that his time is nearing a close on this earth. And he's kind of talking to the young associate that he had. And this is the instruction that he gives him in the first letter to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 14. He says, do not neglect the spiritual gift that you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. So Paul is identifying a gift in Timothy. And he's saying, we identified that gift. We prophesied over you the plan that God had for you and this gift that we could see that God had invested in you. And he's saying, you cannot neglect that. That we have to figure out what that gift is and then we can't just throw it away or put it up on a shelf and not use it. He's saying, don't neglect it. God put something in you, Timothy, and he's got a big purpose for your life, so you got to make sure you don't neglect it. And then he goes on to, to give some more instruction. But Jesus also talked about this too. In, in a parable, Jesus would tell these fictional stories of, of people and, 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 and give these illustrations, and he has this parable of the talents that it's called, where this boss invested money in these people and said, go out and and, and, and get a return on this investment, do things to, to get a return. And so they come back, and one of the guys buried his investment, buried the talent that, that he was given. In this story, it was about finances or resources. But he buried this talent, and when he stood before God, before the boss in this case, he said, what did you do with the talent I gave you? He said, I buried it. Still have it, didn't lose it, never failed Never did anything, still got it. And he goes, you blew it. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose of getting a talent is in some ability is that you do something with them, right? And that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. He's like, don't neglect that gift God put in you, Tim. You need to use it. You need to to put it to use. And, And the point of this parable is that, again, the whatever part, that we are to use whatever God has put in us, not just for us, but for him. 
and for his kingdom and for the purposes that he has for us. Again, you are a unique creation created by a unique creator of the entire universe and he has invested. That's a key word there, okay? Not just given you gifts. He's invested gifts in you with an expectation that there's gonna be a return on his investment. You better do something with that. Paul's saying, Timothy, don't neglect it. You need to use it because all of us, scripture says, will stand before God and give an account to our boss to our master with the investment he made into us. What do we do with that investment? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God and be fumbling for my words going, uh, but uh, I wasn't sure. I, I, I kind of buried it. I didn't use it. He goes on in verse 15. He says, so Timothy, don't neglect that gift that, that has been put in you. He says, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation, for your own race, for your own plan, and the salvation of those who hear you. So he says, don't neglect your gift because here's the deal. There's people around you. This world needs the gift and the ability and the talents that God has put in you. And so he's saying, put those into practice. So he writes this first letter to Timothy. Some time goes by and he writes another letter to Timothy. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, six sentences into this letter, he says this again to Timothy. He says, so this is why I remind you, Tim. Remember the first letter? I said, don't neglect that gift. Now I'm reminding you to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. So there had already been something going on. And Timothy had been not really staying in his lane. Paul is saying, look, I'm, I'm about done, dude. I'm about, to, I'm about to leave this earth. And I need you to run your race. But in order to do that, you got to start fanning into flame. We were at a campground and a couple weeks ago on our family vacation at Disney campground. And they would, at night, they had Chippendale and campfires and all this stuff, and you could roast marshmallows. And the fire would begin to die out. They would play this movie outside. And the people who worked at Disney would come with those old school, like accordion style, I don't even know what they're called, to blow oxygen into the fire, right? And they would come and they'd throw a couple more pieces of wood on it, and they would take this big thing and just go whoo, whoo, a few times. And that wood would catch fire, and it would begin to, the flames would begin to consume that would, and, and, and that's what he's saying here. Another translation says to stir it up. What's in you? Stir that up. Stir that gift up. Fan that flame. Keep breathing life into it. Don't neglect it. Don't put it on a shelf. Don't hide your talent. Don't bury those giftings. <sighs> Breathe life into those things. Continue to grow in that calling until it consumes your life. But the problem is, is that most of us, Gallup says, haven't discovered even what that is. So there's no flame because we don't even know what the flame We don't even know what to breathe life into because we've never taken the journey and put in the work to discover what it is that God has for us. And so 80% of people are dissatisfied because they've never done these simple things. So we summarize Paul's two letters to Timothy in this way. He says, don't neglect your gifts. Be diligent with them. 
Grow in them. Watch your gifts. Persevere in your gifts. It says stay true to you. Stay in your lane, Timothy. Persevere through the hard times and always stir up those gifts. Always keep that fan flaming, that fire, that gift within you. And it says, and if you do these things, we will find the answer to what have we been created to do? The discovery process, discovering what God has put in you, the gifts in you are clues to God's plan for you? What are some action steps and application that we have to do in this discovery process? And the first one is is very simple. You have to discover your gifts. No one's going to discover them for you. No one's going to pursue God for you. No one's going to seek after God for you. God says, that one's on you. Don't neglect it. Search for it. How do we do that? There's some simple things we can do. One of the main things that we do is is when we serve and we volunteer, we begin to discover and identify gifts that God has put in us. We start doing something and we go, man, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. These kids actually like me back there. My kids don't like me, but these kids like me, right? And you'd be go, man, God's actually given me a gift. We have, we have a friend of ours from high school serves back there and they call him the baby whisperer, Right? So when one of your kids is screaming their head off, they go, here. And he is able to calm them down. He's like, I didn't know I had that gift. There's a gift. God's put something in you. You can help these babies. You can do this. So we do that by serving. And when you discover the gifts in you, you begin to discover God's plan for you. So how do we do that? First of all, just as Timothy did for Paul, there's people in your life who have been invested in your life, who you trust, who's a best friend, who's a parent, an uncle, a pastor, a teacher, whoever it may be, that have said things to you and they go, man, I see something in you. You have a gift. Did you even know that? What? No, I didn't. I've never really thought about it like that before. Yeah, there's something in you. I think God wants to do something. And a lot of times we hear that and we go, oh, not me. (laughs) Nope, not me. God doesn't want to do that with me because I don't want to do that. So not me. And we kind of put it on a shelf. Timothy said, Paul said to Timothy, he said, no, remember that gift? We laid our hands and we prophesied over you. Fan that flame. Someone says something to you, investigate, search, ask God, God, is this something that you've put in me? If so, God, show me more. Help me to use it for you. There's a spiritual gifts test that you can take. The Bible kind of identifies some spiritual gifts that, that God has given. Some of them, not all of them, but he identifies some of those. We have that online. Our launch class tonight, we have around 20-some adults that are coming. If you would like to come to, to our launch event tonight at 6 p.m. here at the church, that's what we talk about. Where you get to meet me and our staff and kind of connect one-on-one in that way. I get to explain a little bit more of the vision of our church. And then we actually do some, some personality tests and, and give you some, some information on how to d- figure out what your gifts are and then some opportunities within our church to to use those gifts and to put them into use and so you can get online at adventurechurch.tv and our next steps part of our website and there's a there's a link that you can go to take this test you answer some questions and it begins to help you identify what's in you what god has put in you and again what god has put in you are clues to the plan he has for you what are your deepest desires that's another clue to maybe what god is putting in you this discovery process what what desires are in your heart and again the passion and the giftings have to align, but maybe there's something in there. Psalm 37.4 says, delight in the Lord, 
and he, God, will give you the desires of your heart. So there's this thing where you have to desire and delight in God and seek after him. And it says and when you do that, man, God will fulfill those desires that he has and that he has put in you. I love this quote that says, the place God calls you to is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet, right? I hear that quote, I think about Mother Teresa and the calling on her life and that she invested in the orphans and the slums of third world countries and, and changed kids' lives and said, someone's got to make a difference here. There's a, there's a deep need. Why not me? She gave her life to that purpose, saying then, my desire is to help and there's a need where I can make a difference. You know, if we don't see the change that you want in area, maybe there's something that you're just passionate about and you go, this needs to change in our world. This needs to change in our community. This needs to change in my workplace. And I, and, and I can't see the change, so I'm going to become the change. I'm going to initiate that. And you begin to see purpose and giftings come out and fulfillment in your life. You see, when we take steps to do that, our deepest desire and in, in the, the needs of the world meet, that they're there are needs around you. What is going on around you? And you go, I can make a difference there. And God is putting those desires and things. So it's key to the discovery process. And as we take steps to discover, right, what God has for us, he'll begin to show us what our purpose is, the giftings that we have in us. And here's something I want to say. I, I meet a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people who complain about their work. Anybody else? Right? You got some friends like, oh, I just hate my job. I hate this. I hate that. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just worn out. I'm tired. It's too stressful. I just can't do it. Right? And it's okay to be frustrated with what you do, with your work, with your situation. It's fine. Those are your feelings. That's it. But it's not okay to not do anything about it. It's okay to be frustrated, but it's not okay to not do anything about it. So as I talk to people and they want change to happen in their life, I say, okay, well, what, what steps are you going to take to make that change? And then I don't talk to them about it again until they take those steps. That's how my counseling works. If you ever want to talk to me, I'll say, hey, here's some advice. Do you think that's good advice? Yeah, I do. Okay, do it. Then they call me again. Can I talk to you again? Hey, did you do what I talked about last time? Not yet. Okay, call me when you do. Because I'm just going to tell you to do the same thing again, right? And so some of us go, man, I need to make changes. I'm completely dissatisfied. I don't like what I'm doing, yet I'm not going to do anything about it. Well, I would say you have no right to complain. Because God has given you the ability to pursue and to do what he's put in your heart. You just have to be willing to do it. And the discovery process takes work, but the work is worth it. Because who wants to spend a third of their life doing something they hate? Nobody. We want to do that. We want to know what God has for us. But it's a lifelong process of discovering God, discovering what his journey is, being willing to take steps of faith to pursue that adventure, and when you take steps to discover, God will begin to show you what it is that he's put in you. And what he's put in you, the giftings are clues to what he has for you. So once we discover, the second step is very simple. This is really the action steps, is to develop and then to deploy those gifts. He told Timothy, fan it into flame. He said, throw yourself into that task. Give all that you have to it. Develop it. Hone that gift in. Get better at it. Do it, whatever you got to do. Do it all with everything you got, with all your passion for God. And so that people will see your progress, he says. So that people will see that you're pursuing God, that God has a gift for you. And then we have to deploy those gifts. So we develop them, and then we have to put them to use. Parable of talents. Use those talents. Use those giftings. 
So we have to leverage the opportunities that come around us to use those gifts. One of those ways is through the local church, and there's plenty of opportunity to get involved here, but there's way more ways to do it than that. There's career opportunities that you have and and things you can do in your job to really use those giftings. There's opportunity within the community all the time for you to serve and leverage those giftings to make a difference in the world. So we have this thing called a career, right? It's kind of what we get paid to do. And we talked last week about, man, part of it is just paying the bills. And next week we're going to talk about, okay, you have this passion and this purpose that you really feel like God has called you to, but you also have to pay your mortgage, right? So how do you balance those things? How do you pursue the dream and pursue that and still pay the bills? We're going to talk about that next week. But now that you have opportunity, we leverage those things. So you have career, what you're paid to do, and then you have calling, which is what you were made to do, right? So you have a career. It's what I get paid to do. Then we discover what our calling is, our unique calling, and that's what we were made to do. And sometimes these two things combine, and it's amazing, right? And I'm, 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 I'm living proof of that. I had to discover this because I, I had a friend in high school who was a pastor's son, and I was like, uh, no, I don't want that life, right? I don't want that. But as I began to discover and really seek God, I really didn't get serious about seeking God until I graduated high school. I mean, I knew God and I went to church, but as far as like really pursuing his plan, and I found myself at Ohio State doing something I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing, and then I said, all right, God, what do you want from me? What do you really want from my life? And I began to see the giftings, and other people spoke into my life and said, you're gifted, man. You can communicate. You have a leadership ability. You can do these things, and I see this gift in you. And I began to believe it, and then I began to seek God for it, and then the rest is history. And because I did that, thankfully, and I'm, I'm humbled that I get to do what I do, but my passion, I love preaching. Every time I walk off the stage, I go, God, thank you for letting me do that. I love it. I'm in my element. This is my sweet spot. I love it. I love getting to be a part and leading something in the community and doing what our church gets to do. I love what I do. And so my passion and my career, my calling and my career aligned themselves, and it's been powerful in my life. It's changed me. It's changed my life. And we often think, that can't happen for me. But have you sought God for that? Have you really said, God, what do you want me to do? Can I pursue you in that? And so sometimes those things align, but here's something else I want to say. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you always will have a career and sometimes you'll always have a calling. But what we found is no matter what our career is, we can still do it with purpose. And God can still use it to make a difference. And then we have this calling. Most of our team, besides Jake, Jake is the only one of our staff who is full-time at our church, who gets paid to be here. And even to do that, he has another business called Picks Perfect, and he rents a photo booth that he owns. So if you ever need a photo booth for an event, call Jake, okay? Help him out. But everyone else on our team, they all work full-time jobs. Abby, our kids' pastor, works full-time all week long. She has a career. That's what she gets paid to do. She has a calling, what she was made to do. She goes, they're not lining up right now, and my goal for all of them is I'm going to be able to pay them full-time at some point. I tell them that all the time. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. We're going to pay you more. I promise. We promise. I promise. As we grow, I'm going to pay you more. I promise. But she serves her, her guts out, hardest, one of the hardest-working people on our team. She says, this is my calling, this is my career. Man, I was made to do this, so I'm going to do it. Everyone on our team, besides Jake, does something else. They go, this is my career. This is what's paying my bills right now, but dude, this is my calling, and I'm pursuing that. 
And I'm praying that God will whoom, bring those things together. And then that's the dream. That's the dream job. And that can happen for you as well. But God's invested something in you. Do you know what it is? If not, you better discover it. Some of you, you know what it is. You already know. Yep, I know what it is. But I'm not doing anything with it. So God goes, yeah, develop it. Fan into flame. Leverage opportunities. Begin to use that gift. Begin to see it happen because the gifts I put in you are clues to the plan I have for you. And as we begin to put the talent that God has put in us to use, his plan will begin to unfold in our life. But if you don't take the steps to discover, to develop, and to deploy those things, you're going to get stuck as a statistic and 80% of people find themselves spending a third of their lives not living the dream. Why would we do that? I believe God has more for you. As the band comes and we close out today, what is our commitment? What is the next step for you? Here we are, right? First, last week, Kyle, you told me it doesn't matter what I do. Just do it with a good heart and serve and love God. And Yes. And then this week, here we are. What is our dream? How do I discover that? How do I do that? This is the promise of God's word. Deuteronomy 4.29. I've referenced this a few times today. It says, but from there you will search again for the Lord your God. Some of you, you need to search again. You just need to search again. And I saw it before. I was a kid. I felt this. I sensed this desire. I saw this gifting. You need to search again. And he says, and when you do, and if you, if you do, If you search for God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, you will find him. That's God's promise to you. And here's the thing. You know if you're pursuing him with all of your heart. You do. I don't, but you do. So God's saying, look, I work by faith. I got a plan. I told you it's in my word. It's a good one. It's awesome. And if you're willing to put action behind your faith, begin to discover those gifts, and once you do, fan them into flame, I'm going to roll it out for you because I've set a race before you. And when you run your race and you stay in your lane and you keep your eyes on me, that's the dream. That's purpose. That's making a difference. That's standing before God when we reach the race. Because Paul goes on in, in Timothy and he says, Hey, Timothy, fan that into flame. Do it, man, because I did it. And he said, As for me, I finished the race. I fought the good fight. And as I stand before God, he goes, I can't wait to stand before God because I know I laid it all out there for him. And he's going to welcome me in and say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's my goal. I believe it's anyone's goal who wants to please God to say, when I stand before God, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not just going to get into heaven. And I'm going to go in, laying it all on the field, knowing that I lived God's purpose and his dream for my life. So today, that journey starts for some of you to search again, for some of you to search for the first time, and to really go, God, what is it that you want from me? And we're going to sing a song that says, I'm going to search for you. I'm going to search for you with all my heart. And when I do, I will find you. And when I find you, 
I find purpose, I find peace, I find joy, I find the dream.